Welcome to At The Table, the podcast for the SBC Women's Leadership Network. Join the conversations of a collaborative community of women from the Southern Baptist Convention family who long to connect, engage, and encourage one another as they serve and lead in diverse ways to impact the kingdom of God. Pull up a chair, grab your favorite drink, and listen in on what God is doing through women of the SBC. Hey friends, and welcome to another episode of At The Table. It is Jackie King, and we are in the middle of fall and still not with fall temperatures here in Arkansas. Um, I am ready for cardigans, y'all. Like I have a whole area in my closet that I'm looking at right now that I just have not been able to put on yet without sweating profusely. So I hope that where you are in the country that you are starting to get some fall temps and pretty fall leaves and colors changing. Um, But today we are getting to welcome, oh my goodness, one of the sweetest souls on the planet. I am so excited to have her on. I want to introduce you to the new First Lady of New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary, Tara Dew. Tara, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Jackie. What a joy and honor it is to be here with you today talking about such important issues in the SBC. Well, I am so excited. We have been cheering you on since this summer, really early spring, I guess, um, whenever the announcement was made that you guys were moving from North Carolina down to New Orleans. So just really excited to hear your story and what God is doing in your life. So let's start out a little bit with just like, who are you? Where did you grow up? How did you get connected to the SPC? Just some of those fun get to know you questions. Absolutely. So I was born in South Florida, Boca Raton and um, had the blessing of growing up in a Christian family. My mom and dad both had become believers in high school and so were strongly involved in a Presbyterian church um, in Florida. And I, I often say that I have loved Jesus for as long as I can remember. Mm-hmm. I have sweet memories of my mom and dad reading Bible stories with us. We would sing Amy Grant and Michael W. Smith and Stephen Curtis Chapman were big, big (laughs) names in our household. Um, We were at church every Sunday. And um, so when my dad was transferred to North Carolina with IBM, I was eight years old and we immediately started trying to find a church. And it was funny because we actually chose the church and then mom and dad found a house that was near it. Mm. Um, and so we found a Southern Baptist church um, in North Raleigh called Bailey Baptist Church and just immediately fell in love with the people there. There was actually a group of people that that had moved up to North Carolina together from Florida. And so we kind of went from one church in Florida to another church in North Carolina, and it ended up being a Southern Baptist church. Oh. And I had become a Christian in Florida. Um, I actually went to a Billy Graham crusade when I was five years old with my mom and my grandma. And I can remember his message was so simple and so clear about Jesus's love for me. Mm-hmm. And when he made the invitation at the end, I looked at my grandma and I said, have you ever made a decision to follow Jesus? And she said, no. And I said, well, me neither. Let's go down together. So oh my goodness, how my sweet. 55-year-old <laughs> grandma and I walked down together and accepted Christ that same night. Um, but I was baptized, of course, when we moved to North Carolina and joined the Southern Baptist Church. So I was baptized when I was nine and uh, was heavily involved in children's church and children's choir. But it wasn't until middle school that I really made my faith personal. 
personal and put feet to my faith. And I started um, reading the Bible during an, a Bible study called Experiencing God, Youth Edition. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And as I was filling out that workbook, it was like God's Word that I had loved for all of my life just became alive. And I started looking at Old Testament and New Testament passages together, and God just started doing a work in my heart through that youth group. Um when I was a sophomore in high school, um, I was at a youth camp, and they, there was a call to ministry at the end of one of the sessions, and I can remember feeling just this pull that I could not resist, and I mm-hmm. went forward, and I said, I don't know what God is calling me to, but I just want to serve Him for the rest of my life, and I don't know if that means I'm going to be a missionary, or if I'm going to be a children's director, or work with women, or be a pastor's wife, I don't know. But I just want to follow the Lord. And for my remainder years in high school, um, I started an FCA on my high school campus and was a leader in our youth group leading a women's Bible study or a Bible study for girls, started to counsel some middle school girls. And um, and just it was so neat what God was doing in my heart. Um Around that same time, um, <laughs> Jamie and I, he had um, actually, I was in eighth grade and he um, had come to church and become a believer. And so we met in youth group. But oh, I love that. Really I didn't know that about your story. Okay. School. Yeah. So it was actually uh, around my junior year in high school that we um, really started getting um, serious. We had been friends for a while. Um, but yeah, I often say I was 14 and he was 18 when we met and he, it was the week after he had become a believer. And so anyway, uh-huh. yeah, we, we, we started, um, uh, dating when I was, um, a junior in high school and, um, ended up getting married when I was a sophomore in college. He had graduated college and had come back to Wake Forest to go to seminary at Southeastern Seminary for his master's. And so we were dueling laptop students. We would be working <laughs> side by side as I was finishing yep, my we were there. And yeah. he was doing yeah. his graduate degree. <laughs> and uh, we were very, very poor, but rich in love and rich in Jesus. And um, I'm so thankful for those beginning years um, of just um, of our marriage and our ministry. And, you know, when he asked for my hand in marriage, he said, Tara, I feel like we can serve the Lord better together than we could apart. Mm-hmm. And so uh, for almost 20 years now, we have been serving the Lord side by side. Um, he started out as an interim pastor. Um, in a small church in Fayetteville, North Carolina. Um, and then he worked in a church plant doing kind of an associate pastor role. Um, and then we just joined another Southern Baptist church um, in Wake Forest and, and led the young adult Sunday school class. And um, I had the opportunity to serve on a women's ministry team. And after he graduated with his master's, um, he became a pastor at Stony Hill Baptist Church in Wake Forest. And so I was um, 22 going into become a pastor's wife and I can remember um he had interviewed twice and then they wanted to interview me and I can remember changing my outfit like five or six times because I thought <laughs> I just don't look like a pastor's does this make me look grown up wife. yeah that's am right. I adulting <laughs> that's exactly right I can remember Jamie saying to me he said honey you're my wife that's what would make you a pastor's wife and so I went into that interview and I was scared to death and the first thing that they asked me was do I play the piano mm, yeah <laughs> and I had to say, you know, I'm sorry. I wish that I did, but I don't. And 
and they, they were kind of you know dumbfounded. Well, all of our pastor's wives play the piano. And then they said, well, will you direct our choir? And I thought, well, I, I can't do that either. I don't, I don't even have the slightest clue of how to direct their choir. And they said, well, at least you'll sing in the choir, right? And I thought, oh, y'all, you don't want me to sing in the choir either. And they said, well, what do you do? And I said, well, I love Jesus and I love my husband and maybe I could rock a baby or teach a children's Sunday school class or I could lead a women's Bible study. And so long story short, they ended up calling him to be their pastor and um, I became the you know pastor's wife at this small church in Wake Forest and we were there for nine years and it was mm-hmm. such... Yes. A blessing. Um, we loved our time there. We loved the families that we met. And by the end of that nine years, I was the director of Cubbies in the Iwana program, and I was leading the women's ministry, and we were doing a weekly women's Bible study. And um, I'm so thankful for that experience and how that trained us um, just in how to love the Southern Baptist Church, whether it's a big church or a small church, um, whether it's in a city or the country. Um, we are just so, so thankful for that. And while we were there, Jamie had finished his PhD and was adjunct teaching at Southeastern. Um, And then they brought him onto the faculty full-time. And so for one year, he was a full-time faculty member and a full-time pastor. And after that year, we realized we just can't keep doing both, Mm -hmm. Um, you know. And so we felt like God was really doing something in the academic realm, but we didn't know what it was. And he was being asked to write books and author books and edit books and God was really doing something in the classroom with his students. And so we, after much prayer, decided to um, step down from the church and that he would just be a full-time professor. And so um, I was scared to death, but on that Mm -hmm. Sunday, he resigned. And of course, that meant we had to move out of the parsonage, our insurance, I mean, like our whole way of life. (laughs) We were still going to be in the same town, but of course, everything was changing. And it was that following Tuesday that Dr. Aiken and asked him to be the dean of the college at Southeastern. Hmm. And so just stepping out in faith, we saw God just provide in amazing ways. And so for the next um, almost seven years, Jamie would be the dean at the college at Southeastern. And we loved, loved, loved being at Southeastern Seminary. He was a vice president there. We got to just see God do just amazing things um, in growing the college. And so... um, Never, ever did we dream that God would ever open up the doors uh, for us to to serve in a seminary in a different context like a presidency. We never saw this coming. Um, we honestly thought we would be at Southeastern for the rest of our lives doing mm-hmm. exactly what we were doing. But God has a way of disrupting our lives and writing a story that we never imagined or never dreamed. And so... When the call came from the search committee in January, it totally rocked us because he did not apply for this. He did not hmm. submit his resume. Yeah. yeah. And so we were very, very surprised and shocked. But over the la- the next five months, we saw God doing a process where he just was opening our hearts to the possibility of serving him in a different context. And... Um, 
without a shadow of a doubt, I can tell you that God has called us here to New Orleans, and we are humbled and we are grateful to be here. We are dependent on God to do this work because it is a mighty work, but it is a way that we can give back to Southern Baptists because they have given so much to us. And all of our formative years were either in a Southern Baptist church growing up in youth group or serving in a variety of capacities or being trained in one of the Southern Baptist seminaries. So to serve a sister seminary in this way is an unbelievable privilege. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so I love so much about your story. Did not know you were high school sweet sweethearts. <laughs> and I'm curious. So when do you celebrate 20 years? Because that's kind of a big deal. Yes, this December. Okay, so yeah. it's coming up just it's a couple months up. away. That's okay, right. big party in that's New Orleans right. for you. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I think just seeing the thread of just how God wired you and even just your leadership starting so young, um, like within your youth group and then being able to serve in just different various capacities, mm -hmm. obviously, as you have grown and as your family has grown. And you're okay. technically Dr. Dare Do. So what is your doctorate in? And <laughs> maybe kind of like briefly, where did that come from? Yes, I know, out of the blue. So I have a <laughs> bachelor's in elementary education. Um, and then my master's is also a master's of education and teaching and learning elementary ed. And so when Jamie became a full-time professor at Southeastern, one of the blessings is that they provide free tuition for spouses. And so here I was, having been a pastor's wife, having taught women's Bible studies, having served the church in so many ways, I had never taken a seminary class for myself. My husband mm -hmm. had gone to Old Testament, New Testament, Greek, Hebrew, all of the classes for his master's and his PhD. And I had been serving alongside him, but I had never gotten any training for myself. And so it was kind of like a no-brainer for me. I thought, well, here I can get a free class. Yeah. And what if I just do one class at a time? So I began in 2012 working on a doctorate in education. And I had to do quite a few classes um, of like preliminary work to level up because my master's was not a master's of divinity. It wasn't a master's from a seminary. Um, and so I had to do Old Testament, New Testament, Hebrew, yeah. <laughs> I mean, not Hebrew, but theology and church history. Um, but with the master, the doctrine in education, I did not have to take Hebrew. Statistics is my language. I was so about to say you I dodged it, but I think Hebrew, I would yeah. rather do Hebrew than statistics, to be honest with you. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. But with one class at a time, um, I just enjoyed learning and mm -hmm. studying more in a professional context about this God and this Bible that I had loved and learned and been teaching for so many years. And so just one class at a time I would do, and I felt like a little snail, but um, a snail was still moving forward. And yep. so a little bit at a time I worked. And so I actually just graduated in December oh. uh, with my doctorate in education. And what I read my dissertation on and what my research has been for the last two years has actually been on ministry wives because I really have a passion for them. I thought, mm -hmm. how many women are like me? And they worked to put their husbands through seminary or they kept children at home while their husbands went to class. But yet in ministry are the other half. That's mm -hmm. often the two for one, the one who, uh, when they get their pastor, they get the pastor's wife too. And they're expected to do so much in churches, but yet have very little training themselves. And yeah. so I set out to research that and 
what I did is I collected a focus group of 10 pastor's wives in the Wake Forest Raleigh area, all whose husbands had graduated from seminary. And I just asked them some preliminary questions that helped me develop a survey. And then I sent the survey out to ministry wives. And this could be any ministry wife, whether their husband was a full-time pastor or a bivocational or part-time in any um, area of staff. So it could be a senior pastor, a music pastor, children's pastor, youth pastor, any of their wives could respond. And I ended up getting 711 responses back from pastor's wives all over our country. And I was blown away by their responses. I'm so, so thankful for everyone who took the time to fill out the survey. But I was really asking um, questions in two specific areas. The first kind of thrust of my questions was, how are you serving your church? And then the second thrust was, how prepared were you to do those things? Mm -hmm. And so what I found was, unfortunately, exactly what I thought I would find. Our pastor's wives are doing amazing things in their churches. Many of them are juggling you know, ministry with parenthood or other jobs to help um, balance their budgets at mm-hmm. home. Uh, some of them have up to 27 jobs that they're doing in their churches. Most pastors' wow. wives give at least 10, the majority give it over 15 hours a week to church, um, and they're doing everything from big jobs to small jobs. Um, many of them are doing it with joy. They feel called to do it alongside their husbands. But sadly, only 13% ever took a formal class. Hmm. Many of them were trained for ministry, either by women's Bible studies, which is how I have been trained. You know, Beth Moore and Priscilla Shire and Kate mm-hmm. Arthur, they are teaching our women. And that's who taught me to love the, the word. Um, and 65% of our pastor's wives are trained by women's Bible studies. They also learn from their husbands, kind of by, yeah. as their husbands are studying, they are kind of learning through him. And a lot of them are learning by fire, just by experience. You know, mm-hmm. when they get into the churches, they're thinking, oh, my goodness, you know. Yep, I had yep. several of them say, business meetings, what on earth, you know. <laughs> or I didn't expect this conflict with deacons or other church members. Or I didn't realize how much I would be counseling other women. Or mm-hmm. I wish I knew how to teach a Bible lesson or how to share a devotion. And so many of them don't even realize the need for classes until it's too late and they're out of seminary and already serving on the field. And so anyway, it was a fascinating, fascinating study of research. Um, I, I included both statistics and focus groups. So it was called a mixed methods. Um, and um, it, it was fascinating and it has given me even a bigger passion to train Um, pastor's wives. And so never in a million years would I have ever dreamed that I would now be sitting in the seat that I'm in. Yeah. But I can see how God in His providence has prepared me and given me this passion. And I cannot wait to be able to really pour in here at New Orleans Seminary to both 
the pastors that God's bringing to us to be trained, but also to their wives. Mm. And I know that some of our sister seminaries are doing just an amazing job with uh, ministry wives, institutes, and other things. And so I just cannot wait to begin to use my passions to really be able to train the women that God has brought here to us at New Orleans. You can really hear the thread because you graduated December and did I not did. even get called out of the blue until January. That's and so exactly right. the fact that God just burdened your heart and you spent all of that time, you know, in research and gathering all of that information and processing it and stuff. It is just so cool to see how the Lord was just taking you step by step and you were being obedient. And then now you're getting to teach, you know, in the ministry, right. ministry wives um, at New Orleans. And um, so that is just so cool, I think, just to see. And a reminder, I think, for all of us that like we may have no idea what God is going to take the work that we are doing right now. And um, even if it's in our passions or it's maybe not in our passions, you know, it's one of those like drudgery kind of tasks. Like he's taking those things and he's using them and molding them to be able to catapult us into the next steps. But we also have to be faithful in taking the step and saying yes. yes. So he doesn't waste anything in his kingdom. And that's what I'm realizing is that every little small thing that you do, God can use that in ways that you never even dreamed and he is in the process of training and equipping without us even realizing and then Mm -hmm. you can look back and you think oh wow god look at what you are doing when i didn't even realize it yeah I know I know that of my life. And so it's just, it's really cool to hear your story and just to be able to see that thread of his faithfulness and you moving forward in that. So thank you. one of the things that you and I have chatted about, and we'll probably spend the rest of our time just kind of camping out on this, because I think, especially as women, and we, a lot of us are in the role of being moms, Mm -hmm. whether that's foster moms or adoptive moms or, um, you know, just our own biological kids. And so it's hard being a leader and a mom (laughs) and one of the things that you and I had chatted about was how um, your kids even in this move just saw it as a missional opportunity that they got to be on mission with you and Jamie as y'all were moving to New Orleans and you're going to start making new friends and kind of have a whole new life ahead Mm -hmm. and so I really want to kind of spend the rest of our time chatting like what are some practical ways that as women in leadership because I think so often I don't know if you hear this but I hear this a lot to where I think women almost kind of use motherhood as a, um, not to put it like an excuse to not step into some of their giftings and walking out obediently because they're scared they're not going to be able to balance, um, which if balance is an actual thing or not, I don't know. Um, But I see a lot of women maybe shrinking back or not taking on a lot of things because of this tension that I think we're having to hold of what does it look like to be a woman leader and still love my kids well and lead them well. So let's kind of unpack maybe some of the encouragement and just advice that you would have on things that y'all have done and things that you've seen maybe in other mentors that really help kind of foster that missional aspect and mindset within our kids as they are kind of coming alongside us as we lead Mm -hmm. and that they get to lead now not a future version of them that's right that's right well I um, wanted to start by saying you know we have not figured this out totally <laughs> God's um, patient with us as we're trying to just figure out how to do this but I can I can tell you from the time they were little um, I wanted them to feel like 
Um, mommy always loved them and wanted to be their mommy first before I was a pastor's wife or before I was a dean's wife. God has given us these little souls to shepherd and to point toward eternity. And so I always wanted them to know um, that I was their mommy first. Mm-hmm. And um, But then also bring them along and show them what it means to be just a follower of Christ and how that means that you open your life and your home to others. And so you serve and love others. And it doesn't always look perfect, but you try. And so from the time they were little, um, we always would say that we get to go to church. It wasn't that we have to go to church, right? Mm -hmm. We get to go to church. We get to go worship. We get to go love the body of Christ that Jesus loved. And we tried to always make it a really fun thing that we were getting to do ministry is fun. You get to do amazing things uh, when you're in ministry. And then we would open our home often and it was always like it was the whole do crew that was doing things. So it wasn't just mommy and daddy's thing. You know, we were having people over as a family. We were getting to love them as a family. So the kids would help me make the dinner or bake the cookies before a small group or clean up the house. And they were always so excited when people came. And so this ministry that God's given us now is much bigger than what we have had before. But one thing that we tried to instill in the children as we were talking with them just about this is they did see this as a mission opportunity. They did see that God was calling them to love the people of New Orleans and the the people here at the seminary. And one night we were talking and Samantha said, well, mommy and daddy, I can see how God can use you. You know, I can see how God's prepared you and daddy's going to preach and mommy's going to teach. But she said, but I'm just a nine-year-old little girl. How could God use me? Hmm. And I love Jamie's response because he asked her, he said, do you know what it's like to have a mommy and a daddy who are in ministry? And she said, yeah. And he said, well, do you think that there would be other little boys and girls whose maybe mommy and daddy are preparing for ministry, but they don't know what that would be like? Do you think maybe you could help them? And she sat back and she said, well, yeah, I could do that. And he said, because God is calling not just mommy and daddy to come down to New Orleans Seminary, but he's calling all of us in the Duke crew. Mm -hmm. And he's going to use all of us in our different ways to encourage the body. And so I think that is another part of it. As we do ministry with our children, we show them how they're needed in the kingdom of God. And it takes the whole body of Christ. Um, There are the people who are going to be the mouths, and there are the people that are going to be the eyes, but you also have people that are the hands and the feet. And so just showing your children how serving God is such an amazing and wonderful opportunity and wonderful thing that they get to be a part of alongside mommy and daddy. Mm -hmm. And it's not just mommy and daddy's ministry, but it's something that we all do together. And so I think making your home a place where people feel welcome to come, but then also bring bringing your family out and doing ministry together, be that serving in a soup kitchen or working in a food pantry or sharing the gospel or putting together little um, bags for the homeless that you keep in the car and can pass out the window or inviting single people into your home and having dinner with them and encouraging your family to love that single person and bring them in, you know? Mm -hmm. I think there's so many things we can do with our children to involve them in ministry, but to show them that no matter how little they are, God can use them. And they can share an encouraging word or a smile with somebody who needs it. Um, And how 
walking with Jesus is such an adventure and it's a fun adventure, you know? I think showing them how mommy and daddy love Jesus and it's not just something that we do on a Sunday morning, but it's something that we do all week long. Mm -hmm. Um, And every moment of every day is for him and for his glory and he's given us what we have so that we can bless his name and bless other people. And so it has been a joy um, to just involve our children in ministry and to show them um, what it looks like to just be a follower of Christ. And and that means that you go where he goes and you do what he does and you say Mm -hmm. what he says and you love what he loves. And he loves the church. And so um, no matter what position um, your husband or you hold in a church, I think showing your children just the blessing of loving Christ by loving his people is a beautiful thing. Mm, that's so good. Okay, so I want to kind of go back to the beginning of what you said because I think this is really important and something that Josh and I tried to be very intentional about is just how you communicate what you get to do together. Mm-hmm. Um, because I know um, even whenever we first got married, we were young too, um, and there was just kind of that fear of like, oh, I don't want my children. Like we chose this, you know, but they are not choosing this. They are born into mm-hmm. <laughs> um, what we are doing. And so just already that fear of like, I don't want my kids to hate the church. You know, I want them to love the church and love Jesus. And it's ministry is hard, but life is hard, you know, like all kinds of vocations are hard. And so um, just being very pointed on how you talk about what you get to do, that it really is a privilege. Um, And then even being honest, I think in some of the harder seasons to where maybe people aren't kind or, um, you know, there's, there's conflict and there's friction. Those are beautiful opportunities to talk about for forgiveness and to talk about um, even being hurt, but the need to forgive. um, Because I think we also try to kind of paint ministry and people just to be perfect. And then Mm -hmm. they launch and they don't necessarily know what to do because they haven't ever seen some of the friction that's happened within leadership and church and those kind of things. And so I think we really have an opportunity there to really guide and help form a healthy view of what being a disciple looks like and, and bringing them along in that. And so that kind of reminded me a little bit about what you were saying and then all of your practical advice on just things that you can do together Mm -hmm. Um, I think if we just kind of get in that mindset of like this is a family thing I love the cookies um, and getting to make cookies together and just saying like you have a part in this you have intentionality and relationships and I think even just learning our kids helps to see like what are their giftings and Mm -hmm. what you know what are their personalities like instead of kind of shoving them into hey stand here and welcome everybody you know and we've got one guy that like he doesn't he's an introvert he doesn't want to talk to people (laughs) Um, he will when he's comfortable you know and so I think maybe even just studying our kiddos a little bit more to see like what do they like to do I don't know have you seen that maybe kind of oh yes because all four of ours are very different Mm -hmm. I mean God has has gifted and given them all personalities that are so very different and so I do think finding things that your children enjoy just like with us there are gifts and passions that God's given us where we is life-giving when we serve in those ways. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the same for our children. And so, you know, our oldest daughter, Natalie, is learning to play the guitar. She already knows how to play the piano, but she's been saying, well, maybe one day I could play in a youth band at church and Mm -hmm. lead from a guitar, you know, and our son Samuel loves 
playing the piano, but my daughter, Samantha, is a more theatrical extrovert, you know, so she was saying, well, some churches have like dramas that they put on or dances. And so finding where they, um, you know, where their passions are and then helping them see how God can gift them Mm -hmm. and encourage the local church by using those gifts and passions for his glory you know and our son nathan he we call him the pastor of the kiddos because um (laughs) he is like the little mini pastor under jamie and he's kind of like the little shepherd and the leader of all of them and he is already starting to vocalize just a calling toward sharing jesus love with people and i don't know what Mm -hmm. that will look like but um for him he loves just being with daddy and greeting new people and and so it's just neat to see how god God gifts your children mm-hmm. and then encouraging them and speaking life into them and showing them, wow, God has really gifted you here. I can't wait to see what he will do with you here and kind of dreaming with them mm-hmm. and showing them how God can use their gifts to benefit the local church or to bless his kingdom in some way and kind of dreaming for them. And dreaming over them and speaking life and hope to them in things that you see in them that maybe they wouldn't see in themselves. Um, and that's something that we often try to do with our children is show them how God can use them and their gifts hmm. to bless other people. And I think that can be a real life-giving thing for kiddos. Yes. And it's honestly not hard. Um, it's just really being intentional with that time. And um, and I know, I mean, that's probably one of the number one questions that we get is balance, you know, and how do you juggle it all and those kind of things. And so I think maybe even just to change the conversation a bit to say, how are you being intentional um, with really breathing life into your kids and bringing them along and in your words and those kind of things. And so I love that. Yes, yes. And it's hard. I mean, there's different seasons of life that hold different rhythms. Um, And I think having just these stable anchor times in your family are really important, no matter Mm -hmm. what the ministry is that God has you doing at the time. And so for our family, dinner time has always been just a crucial time for our family where we all sit down together, kind of talk through the day, um, talk about the highs of the days, the lows of the days, what we're struggling with. And then also before bedtime, um, just spending intentional time as a family, reading through the word together. We love the Jesus Storybook Bible. I mean, Mm -hmm. I feel like there are such truths in that, that oftentimes that will be on our rotation where we can just talk through the sweetness of Jesus and how his plan is unfolding throughout all of time. Um, But I think that is a crucial thing that we, especially as moms, just need to instill within our days or those anchors where Mm. we can be intentional with our kids and and then be ready for those unintentional times that you don't even know, like when you're driving down the road and they want to talk, you know, or when you're washing dishes and they have a question. Um, And I think, especially in the day of social media, it's important for us to put down our phones and to really listen in with our kiddos when mm-hmm. they're ready to talk and um, and be focused in on how they're processing through things. Um, and the other thing I would say is it's really important to have times where you get away as a family because ministry can be hard. And sometimes when you're at home, uh, you feel like you're constantly accessible by everybody. And so that's mm. something that we've tried to do is really plan uh, vacations for our family. Uh, we have taken up a love for camping and just being outdoors and God's amazing creation. Um, and so do something that will allow your family to, to just pull away together 
together and make some memories together um, because ministry is hard and it's hard to balance everything but I think having some of those stable anchors within your day or within your month really help I think kids have something to look forward to or they know that hey I've got mommy and daddy's attention Mm -hmm. in this moment yeah or we can talk through this so hopefully that will help those are some things that we've done that I think have really helped our family as we've gone through different seasons of ministry. Yeah, that's good. And this is just totally off the top of my head as you were saying that, because I know um, just for a lot of ministry families, like it's hard to get away already and just choose that intentionality, but then even just where do we go? And it costs so much. And so I really want to encourage y'all, one of the things that we got to kind of happenstance fall on um, was just a lot of our Baptist encampments to where you yes. can Google those and shoot an email to the people and say, hey, I'm a pastor, I'm a minister, and um, we're really just trying to get away? Um, Do you have a special discount? Those kind of things. So this is a super random, but just I hope practical thing for you listeners um, that um, you can kind of um, email other churches even and just ask, are there any pastoral getaways, ministry getaways that we, uh, that you know of that are maybe a little bit more discounted and they're so much more affordable than trying to like plan a big vacation in a hotel and those kind of things. So extra two cents for everybody listening, but I hope that helps. Maybe somebody will get to get away (laughs) this fall. So (laughs) no, I love that. And I think that has been very life-giving for our family too, especially in our new season and just rhythms are different. It's harder being away from family and those kind of things. And so it is so important to have time away um, where you're not on call, where things aren't, you know, piling up and you're able to just really intentionally be together and make memories. So yes. I think that's a great practical thing for all of us to take at the end of this. So and you will never regret it. It will yeah. never be something you regret, you know, because I think we often get so caught up in the day to day and then we realize like my, my oldest are 12. And so I only have six more summers with them before mm-hmm. they're in college. And so just make the most of the time that you have with the kiddos, because there will be a time when they are grown and gone off to college or getting married. And um, I don't want to ever look back and regret or say, I wish I had done this yeah. because we only have them for a certain amount of time. Yeah. And so I, I hope that's an encouragement to someone who's listening. It is. It's encouraging to me for sure. And I know those that are listening are as well. So Tara, thank you so much for carving out time in your new space and your new Absolutely. city to chat with us. I'm just so cool to hear your story and then even just be encouraged in just very practical ways on um, how we can steward being a mom and a leader and all the things at once. So. <laughs> Jackie, what a joy it has been to talk with you today. I'm so, so grateful, my friend. We are thankful for you. And friends, I hope that you will share this with other women in ministry, other women leaders that you know, and hop online. Make sure that you're in our Facebook group. There's lots of good conversation going there. And we hope that you will join us next week for another episode of At the Table. Y'all have a great week. You have been listening to At The Table, the podcast for the SBC Women's Leadership Network. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast on iTunes and share this with your friends and other women in the SBC. They'd also love to connect online with you at sbcwomen.net for more resources and for you to join the conversation with women all across the globe who are serving in kingdom mission. Thanks for listening.